Welcome to Blue Notes On Air. Join us as we chat with experts, analysts and commentators from the Asian region about business, culture and economics. The, the richer your team can be, the better the results at the end. Today, ANZ's Jared Florian and Steph Stevens chat about diversity, role models and taking risks ahead of International Women's Day. We hope you enjoy the discussion. The, the richer your team can be, the better the result at the end. Yeah, it definitely you end up with the sum of the whole is just so much greater than the parts where you've got input from, from more people and more diversity. Because I guess the thing is we never know when we do things, whether it's at work, um, sport, social, family, become part of our experience. Um, and I think part of, uh, I guess, the more we can bring that in and bring our whole self to work, the, the more likely we are to be successful. So uh, it's interesting when you say about um, thoughts and ideas that you had and areas that you wanted to um, go and develop. How did you come to decide this is the area that I want to go? Did you get advice from other people? Was it books you read? What's the way in which you put those, those sort of plans <laughs> so together? I probably did get advice from people, but mostly I just decided to say yes to say yes to opportunities that came my way, even if they seemed outside of my scope and were a little bit daunting. So in saying that I went and got things that challenged me, I didn't specifically think I need to do that because it's going to challenge me. I just got an opportunity and I thought, oh, that seems interesting. I'll go and try it out. And again, like yourself, in hindsight, when I look back, I thought that was just the perfect thing for me to do. But I feel like if you're open to opportunities and you're open to taking on things that you wouldn't normally that's what really grows you or or even I don't even think it grows you that's just part of your journey that brings you to where you are and had you seen people in previous or earlier parts of your career do that was that a behavior that you were modeling off someone else or you just thought what could go wrong <laughs> so I, I definitely um I definitely as a woman in technology I definitely looked for role models and what are they doing that I feel is going to be really good for me to to think about whether those traits are something that I want to um, embody. So I definitely went and, and looked across. And not just women as well. I mean, I've worked with absolutely brilliant um, male leaders as well. And I absolutely sat back and, and thought about what is it about that person that made it such a great work environment and what can I take and take with me on the journey? Because that, that role model piece, I think, is, is very important. And certainly one of the things that we're looking to do here at ANZ, we've kicked off uh, uh, a new program to try and, I guess, help nurture diversity, um, particularly gender diversity within ANZ, which we're calling the ADA program, named after ADA Lovelace. And what, when I look at that, the role model piece, and you're right, it can be male or female, but getting role models, and in particular, the reason I asked the question about you know, where did you get the, the, the drive, when people can see that other people have had a go and they've been prepared to take a bit of a risk, and it's something, again, I wasn't necessarily formally aware of, but I've read more recently for some reason. Um, blokes are far more likely to put up their hand and say, I can do something when they clearly can't. <laughs> Whereas women seem to be a little bit more reluctant to put up their hands. So having role models that encourage a little bit of bravery, a little bit of prepared to take a risk, I think is really, really important. Um, certainly something we're hoping to see out of the program. 
Yeah, and I just that bravery and taking a risk. I think that word courage and having courage. I know that we talked earlier about our, our talks, and um, for, for those listening, I got up and talked a little bit about my journey as um, becoming a single mother of five children and how I uh, set some goals and, and managed to reach them and where that took me after that on my journey. And it, it did take a bit of courage to step out and do that. And I feel like that's a real attribute that that we have to think about and role model and um, you know as we help other women and we should all be helping women it's not just I've reached a certain level and I'm going to be helping those I think no matter what level we are we we can just embody those traits and and demonstrate what women need and and men as well I mean I feel that's a, that's another thing about gender we, we focus a lot on on women it's not that we're, we're not saying that we're not taking men on the journey as well it's just that as you say um, often women are less secure and it's yeah it's a good thing to provide them with that extra support and in particular in the tech roles there's just this unnatural balance at the moment um, I was talking to a uh, one of our partners vendor partners the other day and they've They've got a very clear focus on gender diversity, yet um, in a recent uh, campaign to, to bring on a number of staff in technical roles, I think they ended up with around about 5% female, despite having that, that, that drive. So it's, there's some realities of life as to who's going through the engineering programs today, what's appealing, and so there's a, it's multifaceted. You know, the industry's got to do more to be appealing. Companies such as ANZ need to do more to create the sort of programs that we are. Um, I think part of your story that came through clearly is individuals also have a responsibility to to take on um, you know take on the challenge and go looking for, for options and and looking for places where it's perhaps more likely that they're going to be able to succeed as well so it's it's a collective responsibility that we can hopefully all make a difference and I think um, Gerard for for women a lot of um potentially our makeup as a gender is is more around being connected with other people and being in environments where or, or even work types where you're more um that more focused on connection and networking and um networking for connection as opposed to networking for getting ahead and potentially the it world is much more analytical and that whole left-brained potentially less creative. So I feel like with the digital age, that might be changing. But um, it will be a journey to bring those younger younger women up now and to help them to feel comfortable and to feel that they can show up as themselves in an environment that's traditionally very masculine. It's interesting you mentioned networking. I have a, a, a hypothesis around particularly the younger generation being incredibly like permanently connected, whether it's through Instagram or Facebook or whatever it might be, but not necessarily as prepared to participate in some of the other more traditional types of networking events. Just keen to get your view on how important those sort of networking events or environments are and, and you know, whether you also see that people need to be encouraged, particularly the younger generation, to, to participate. And just that whole, I was reading the other day about some schools in Melbourne um, who aren't allowing their children, the children at the schools to have smartphones during the day. And one of the, the effects of that was the noise level in the school because everyone's talking and communicating. I do think um, artificial 
um, connection can be good in a way. You're, you're still meeting people, you're still doing it online, but nothing takes the place of that face-to-face connection and being able to really talk and communicate. So much can be lost, in fact, I think, in texting or, or doing things online that isn't lost in a face-to-face um meeting so for me uh, connect, uh, connecting in a networking environment even though it seems to be a little artificial because you're going out somewhere with the intention of meeting with people to get whatever it is support role that role model whatever it might be that's going to um going to take you um in your career most of those people at that event were, were looking at how to get ahead um yeah so it seems a little bit artificial but it's so much more real, in fact, than getting onto Facebook or getting onto LinkedIn where you can't yeah. really have that connection with people. Yeah, I, I've certainly found um, throughout my career participating in those events, and it's always the ones that you least expect actually end up being the best ones. Um, some of them may have very, very high um, expectations but sort of fall short, but you don't know. So you've got to give it a go. You, you, find, you find your place. Different events appeal to different people. But as, as you point out, the conversations that you have through that, you never know when it's going to come back. You meet someone, it may be another year down the track, but suddenly you bump into them again and one thing leads to another. So the more I think you can learn through those channels, get your name out there, get your brand out there. It's part of getting your brand out, not, as you say, necessarily just to getting ahead, but Mm -hmm. also there are other reasons why you may want to draw on those connections later. So you mentioned, Stephanie, about the... um, I guess the left brain, right brain creative. And um, I guess to some degree, I'm probably a little bit of an example of that, having failed physics and just passed chemistry, but getting into engineering and realizing that I got there because of my English. Right, so <laughs> there's, a, there's a little message there for vocational guidance. But I think that the digital age and the roles that are now appearing do appeal to a broader I guess, spectrum of people. It's, there is traditional hardcore technical if you want to be a coder or if you want to be a network engineer you can be down in the in the data center working on some really really complex issues but as we think about things like um, human-centered design uh, we think about more of the user interface do you do you think those sorts of roles open up more of the uh, more appeal to I guess a broader group of people so people who who are less sort of co- in the coding and technical yeah so when if you're a young girls sitting there thinking about what would I like to do historically if they've heard IT they've probably thought coder and and I think where where this is really going to shine is where people are thinking uh, the fact that we've brought technology so close to the customer and so close to the employee like you think of the employee experience domain that we have where um, it's it's all about that human-centric design and employees again bringing things in for the customers so it's more around the um, having your journey experts thinking about uh, the the customer journey or the employee journey that they go on and be more connected with the customer I think um, definitely that's away from the coding yet still designing the outcomes and being very close to the outcomes and um, I think the other thing is the way that uh, the the agile approach that we have here at ANZ which is uh, uh, connecting the business very closely with technology so that you've got a blended teams of business and technology people both coming up with outcomes and then people doing the coding and development and testing that are delivering on those outcomes very quickly. So I think the mix that we've got because we're blending business and technology, so to speak, is, is going to be much more, has the opportunity to be more gender balanced. And it'd be interesting to see how that works its way back into 
the kids as well. Um, given that both got five kids, um, it's be you know when we look at well certainly I know when I look at my younger kids and my range now from twenty five down to fifteen, um, you know, my my youngest girl she just turned seventeen wouldn't consider her um, a hardcore techie. Um, but has had lots and lots of exposure to technology and found her niche, which was really around the GoPro and video and cutting videos and, and making. So that's her entry. We often sort of say, well, tech in the kids' age, it's the boys only, and they're all sitting on their Xbox or their PlayStation, and the girls don't touch technology. Um, clearly, that's not the case now. There's many different ways, again, for people to get in and find their space at a really early age. And it might be in video. It might be in creation rather than necessarily... Um, playing COD or whatever the game yeah. of the day is. Yeah. And um, I, so I think that the, the generation, the younger generation, so my, I've got a daughter who's eight and um, just looking at her, she's been, she's had, uh, you know, tablets and phones and things to play on, not her own, but to play on uh, f- for, since, since she, because she's got older brothers yep. and they've got all these things and Xbox and um, PS4s, whatever they are. Um, but so she's been exposed to this along her journey. I think it's going to be much easier for her to adapt to technology than somebody who perhaps wasn't as heavily exposed um, as they were growing up. I can see she loves going on her tablet. Although in saying that, I was just thinking about your daughter. Um Lily is, she's writing books, right? So that's her big thing now. She writes little chapter books. And so just her nature might not be inclined to technology but she's definitely finding her place which is fine exactly you're using the technology to do the things that you love to do most yeah yeah thank you for listening to blue notes on air blue notes on air was produced by the blue notes editorial team with music by kevin mcleod 